the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. It is nine minutes after the hour of nine o'clock, and we are rolling. Maybe rocking, too. It is the 21st morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2023. And since it is a Tuesday, you know what that means. It's a curse around day. Fans always love Peter Kersenow. Yeah, Peter Kersenow will be with us at the top of the next hour, discussing everything from the weaponization of district attorney's offices when the district attorneys are Soros district attorneys, when you have Soros prosecutors, the rule of law goes out the window. When you have Soros prosecutors, political agendas rule the day. And Peter's going to have a lot of thoughts on that. There's no question about it. We're not starting there, though, today. We are starting with the promulgation of more misinformation and lies being pushed and promoted by Dr. Anthony Fauci about what I think most of us would agree is the crime of the century. I think it's in, in it's almost hysterical, truthfully, to consider the fact that that Donald Trump may be wearing handcuffs in a few days. And by the way, it's not happening today. 
Trump uh, made that announcement, of course, on, uh, uh, what was it, Thursday or Friday or whatever it was, and made the whole country wonder what was going to happen on Tuesday when he said he'd be wearing handcuffs today. He's not, not sure where it's going to head, but the idea that at any point he's going to wear handcuffs for the Stormy Daniels event, whatever it was, and Dr. Anthony Fauci continues to walk free is simply hysterical, or it's infuriating. I don't know. It depends on whether you want to laugh or scream at it. It's just, uh, let's talk about real crime here. Let's talk about the crime of the century. The crime of the century, of course, was not the actual lab leak in Wuhan that led to the pandemic, the worldwide coronavirus spread that uh, you know that caused so much chaos and caused so much damage and continues to cause that damage. That's not the crime of the century. As is often the case, in this case, the, the, the cover-up is far worse than the crime. Or we'll call it the response. The response is worse and has been worse than the actual event itself. Did the Wuhan flu, the China, China virus, whatever it is you want to call it, the coronavirus, COVID-19, did it, did it cause a lot of problems for a lot of people? Yeah, it did. Did it take a lot of lives? Yeah, it did. Did it and was it solely responsible for all of those lives? Was it solely responsible for all of the destruction? Was it responsible for all of the illnesses? Was it responsible for all of the uh, severe adverse events? Was it responsible for everything that ails us that was related to it, the coronavirus itself, uh, on its own? And the answer, of course, is a resounding no. The response to the coronavirus was worse than the coronavirus. I will say that until the end of time. The response was lockdowns, school shutdowns, kids isolated, people out of work, businesses closed forever. The response to the coronavirus was the implementation under emergency use authorization by the FDA of mandatory needles in arms using an RNA, a messenger RNA. That's what the mRNA stands for. The Using an RNA technology involving spike proteins supposedly to strengthen the immune system to make one inoculated and immune from infection by this radical novel coronavirus when instead, as it turns out, all it did was weaken the immune system and actually interfere with the body's ability to fight off infections, leading to scores and scores of adverse events, ranging from the mild to the severe to the deadly, heart problems like myocarditis and periocarditis, Palsy, paralysis, strokes, blood clots. All of these are the result of an untested, unproven, no idea on a large scale what will happen in the long term push to put these needles in arms. But for those of us who survived here in the third year now, it is literally we are marking Year three since 15 days to flatten the curve, right? March of 2020 is when all of that went down. It is now March of 2023. And three years later, those of us who survived 
are feeling pretty good. But we're looking at the damage, and we're saying, well, at least we now know that the quote-unquote vaccines that were created did not actually act as vaccines should. They do not prevent infection. And as a matter of fact, you are much more likely to get one of the mutated uh, versions of the coronavirus now, one of the variants, as they call them. You are more likely to get one of these if you have been vaccinated than if your bloodstream and your immune system is pure. You are not going to get it uh, by by a far higher percentage uh, than if you are vaccinated. Now, these numbers are not refutable. They have been proven. Even the CDC has acknowledged as much. Now, why am I going back through all of that? I'm going back through all of that because we are now three years on from the advent of this uh, this this contagion and then obviously the even far, far worse reaction to the contagion. And the lying liars who lied to us about all of this are still out there lying. Now they're not satisfied with just putting ads on the radio lying to you and saying that this mRNA technology is safe and effective. Don't you worry, folks. Don't you worry about a thing. The drugs that we got from Pfizer and Moderna, these RNA vaccines that are not really vaccines, they are so safe and so effective, we have granted the manufacturers, these big pharmaceutical companies, immunity from any liability whatsoever if it kills you or if it makes you seriously ill, or if it causes irreversible damage to you. We are so confident in the safety and the effectiveness we have given them immunity from all liability. In other words, um, we have no earthly idea if these are going to be safe. And since we want to pump these into you anyway, the only way the manufacturers, Big Pharma, will do it is if you grant them protection. That's the reality of the situation. But they don't want to put that just on the radio anymore. They don't want to put it just on television anymore with their hashtag, safe and effective. They don't even want to just use social media anymore. Hashtag, safe and effective. The vaccines that aren't vaccines. The vaccines that do not protect against infection. The vaccines that do not protect against, uh, that do not inoculate you, rather, from either getting or transmitting this disease to others. In other words, non-vaccines. Complete lie from the start. Now, they're going door to door. They're literally knocking on doors in Washington, D.C. Doctor, and I use that term very, very loosely, Dr. Anthony Fauci and the mayor of Washington, D.C., Muriel Bowser, are going door to door to try to convince residents to take the profit jab. Put that needle in your arm for the good of your family, for the good of your community, your neighbors, your coworkers. Take these shots, they're telling them. And in the middle of it all, three years on, and even after we know the truth now about what these vaccines do and do not do, these shots do and do not do, even though we all know they are counting on and trusting in the ignorance And the unawareness, I know that's not really a word, but uh, of the people that they are talking to. They are literally three years later repeating the lie. 
that it actually works. They're repeating the lie about what the RNA does. They're telling them that they're, they won't infect their families with this if they get shots. The reality, you know it, and so do I. This absolutely does. I'm going to let you hear this for yourself. There are several examples of Dr. Anthony Fraudchi and Muriel Bowser knocking on doors and lying to the residents of Washington, D.C., telling them uh, about how important it is for them to take these profit shots in their arms so that Pfizer and Moderna continue, continue to make money and the American people, more and more of the American people, continue to suffer. Listen. Let's do it with vaccine. Oh, I'm not going to join the I'm going for them to be able to. Oh, you should get it first. Okay, that way you won't give it to them. Did you hear it? She's talking to a mother standing at a door, African-American family, the woman who is wearing a mask, by the way, which means she is still terrified of this virus. She is still succumbing to the propaganda and the lies about what these uh, uh, what these uh, uh, quote unquote personal protecting, uh, protection equipment items uh, actually do. She's wearing a mask and she says, "I don't know about these vaccines." And Muriel Bowser says, you should get it first so you don't pass on the coronavirus to them, pointing at her children. Lying literally from the start. Okay, that way you won't give it to them. Oh, I, thought, I thought I would give it to them if I did it. No, no, not at all. In oh. fact, we got to get you vaccinated so that if you were to get infected, you could pass it on to them. Did, did you hear that? She, he, he, Fauci and Bowser both. If you get infected, you could pass it on to them. He's making it sound as though if you get the shot, you don't get infected, and therefore you don't pass it on them, on to them. But it is being passed on by people who have gotten those shots at a far more frequent rate, a higher rate than those who did not. So you're actually protecting your family by getting him vaccinated. Well, he should be arrested on the spot for lying to citizens of Washington, D.C., and trying to convince them to take something that very well may stop their hearts, along with all of the other myriad consequences that we have been watching and describing that is affecting and afflicting millions, not kidding, as Joe Biden would say, millions of Americans, as reported by the CDC VAERS reporting system. I heard that it doesn't... um cure it and it doesn't um stop you from getting it. that is exactly correct ma'am you you already know more than than this guy does so, so on the very 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 rare chance that you do get it even if you're vaccinated it's a very you don't even feel sick it's like you don't even know you got infected on the very 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 rare chance that you get it if, if even if you've been vaccinated again lying directly to the faces of the American people with a camera crew in tow. You are more likely to get coronavirus now, COVID-19, one of the variations, if you have taken the profit shot. You are far more likely to get it than if you do not, if you have pure blood and uh, and a... Uh, 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 and when I say pure blood, of course, I mean uh, free of the mRNA technology that they jammed into the arms of millions. If you have a pure immune system, God-given, 
you are much more likely to fight off any chance of infection than if you have this shot, which has weakened your system. What are we going to do about those other states? Oh, my God. Now, this part, just a little context here. They're at another house doing their door-to-door tour, and Muriel Bowser says, what are we going to do? To the uh, to the uh, about these other states, talking about the red states, the red states that largely have been saying, you don't want that vax, you don't want that profit shot, you don't want that poison dart sticking into your arm because look what it's doing to so many, particularly young and healthy people. What are we gonna do about those other states? Oh my God, they're gonna keep the a- a- outbreak smoldering in the country. It's so crazy. I mean. They're not doing it because they say they don't want to do it. They're Republicans. They don't like to be told what to do. And we got to break that, you know, unpack that. Did you hear it? The Republicans who don't want to be told what to do are going to keep the outbreak smoldering because they're not getting the shots. Never mind the fact that the people who don't get the shots are the ones who are less likely to get the, get infected and spread it. How many times do we need to go back to the CDC, which has now said you are more likely, we are seeing more cases of uh, COVID-19 in people who have gotten shots than those who have not. That's reality. And let me give you one more, because this one is my favorite one. Finally, somebody standing up to the liars, somebody who has been paying attention, somebody who knows the truth. Slamming the door in their faces, not literally, but with facts. People in America are not settled with the information that's been given to us right now. So I'm not going to be lining up taking a shot or a vaccination for something that wasn't clear in the first place. And then you all create a shot in miraculous time. It takes years to... Well, it used to take years. Okay, you know how you know how many years were invested in this in this approach? About twenty years of science to get us to be able to do it. Twenty years is not enough, and nine months is definitely not enough for nobody to be taking no vaccination that you all came up with. The only reason I'm talking to you right now. This is Mariel Bowser talking to this very informed resident. As close as we are, is that I've been vaccinated. Right. The only reason I'm talking to you now, now she's playing and continuing to push the lie that six feet will stop the spread. That that six feet means the coronavirus gets to that six-foot march as it flies through the air and sees that six-foot march and says, whoop, stop, and dies on the spot. She's lying to him and saying, the only reason I'm talking to you this close is because I've been vaccinated. What the hell does that mean, Mayor Bowser? Because you are more likely to spread it to him than an unvaccinated person is. But if it allow thousands of people like you don't get vaccinated, you're going to let this virus continue to percolate in this country and in this world. Something like the common flu then, right? And, uh, not like, not it's like much the more serious flu. than the flu. Though. Well, the flu kills a lot of people annually yeah. too. You know how many people died of the flu the last year? I mean, not this year, virtually none, but the previous year. About twenty to thirty thousand. You know how many people have died from COVID nineteen in the United States? Six hundred thousand Americans. Lying piece of trash. Lying piece of trash. That's what Dr. Anthony Fauci is. Dying from COVID versus dying with COVID continues to be the biggest lie that they have told. Well, you, well, that, well, the, the number that you all giving that died—that's that's once again. That's you all's number. That's you all's number. 
That is an educated resident, and he's basically tell them, take that needle and shove it up your own <clears throat> arm, but you're not bringing it, to, bringing it near me. This, this, uh, this cavalcade of lies that continues to fly from these people, even in year three now, or three years since 15 days to flatten the curve, is staggering. I got more for you, but it's coming up after the news. Okay, friends, it's 929. My apologies. I got so wrapped up in the door-to-door lying festival being carried out by Dr. Fauci and Muriel Bowser, I neglected to ask you to stand as the patriot that you are. Face your flag. Let's put our hands on our heart and let's do our Pledge of Allegiance. And it should go without saying what I'm going to tell you this time. If you believe in any of the crap coming out of that little elf's mouth and the mandate that you put this shot in your arm, well, then you don't trust that flag anyway. You don't have to pledge your allegiance to it. You can take a knee like your favorite ex-quarterback. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Now we'll get that bottom of the hour break and come right back on Always Right Radio. Waking up America from its woke slumber. Always Right Radio with Bob Fretz on The Answer. Onward, it is 9.37. Good morning to you. Th- uh, thanks for joining us. Don't forget, we've got Kersenau coming our way at uh, about 10.10, top of the hour. I want to stay with this, though, and I will welcome your phone calls, though, when you're ready at 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. We do want you up and on the radio. But I also want to uh, to follow up on some of the lies that you just heard from Anthony Fauci, Muriel Bowser. They're going around door-to-door, still trying to get people to... Um, to take the uh, the poison darts, and uh, that's what I believe they are. I, I, I you know, I, they're not poisonous for everyone, but if they are poisonous for some, then we have to call them poison, right? I, I just think that's a fair thing to do. So when I call them poison darts, I'm speaking from the numbers. I'm speaking from the scores and scores and scores of uh, adverse events reported in the CDC's. Um, uh, vaccine uh, adverse event reporting system. That's what VAERS stands for. It's um, it, it's it's horrific. The number of people who have suffered and some who have died from these uh, from these shots. So I want to I want to go back here and I want to spend a little bit more on this. Um, thank you to the gentleman who basically told Muriel Bowser to take her needle and get off of his porch. Uh, told Anthony Fauci. It takes year. I want you to hear this part again, by the way, because this man correctly pointed out that it should take years for y'all to perfect this, to make sure that this is safe for people. And then Anthony Fauci trying to tell us, well, we've been working at this for 20 years. 20 years? You've been working on an mRNA vaccine for 20 years that you have thus injected into hundreds or thousands of people and studied them for years after the, the, the fact to see what the adverse events are, to see what the side effects are. You've done that. He is, he is lying to this man. He's lying to the American people. But listen again, because after you hear this, you're going to hear something better. The people in America are not settled with the information that's been given to us right now. So I'm not going to be lining up taking a shot on a vaccination for something 
that wasn't clear in the first place. And then you all create a shot in miraculous time. It takes years to I want you to hear this part very carefully because it's going to tie into the next audio clip that you're going to hear. Here's Dr. Anthony Fauci claiming that it used to take years. It used to take years to put together something like an RNA vaccine and to do it, put it, uh, put it through clinical trials and tests to make sure that it's going to be safe for people. This is the lie that he's telling here. Take note of this. You know how you know how many years were invested in this in this approach? About twenty years of science to get us to be able to do it. Twenty years is not enough, and nine months is definitely not no. enough for nobody to be taking no vaccination that you all came up with. The only yeah. reason I'm talking to you right now, as close as we are, is that I've been vaccinated. Right. But if it allow thousands of people like you don't get vaccinated, you're going to let this virus continue to percolate in this country and in this world. Something like the common flu then, right? And, and not like, not it's like much the more serious flu. than the flu. Though. Well, the flu kills a lot of people annually, yeah. too. You know how many people died of the flu the last year? I mean, not this year, virtually none. but the- Virtually none, he said. Flu deaths have been literally... To, to the level of nearly nothing, as he pointed out. And that's because anybody, because, you know, you realize influenza is also a respiratory virus. And anybody who went to a hospital with respiratory illness was automatically branded COVID positive and COVID a COVID death. Suddenly people don't die of the flu anymore? That's what they want us to believe over the last three flu seasons? Nobody dies of the flu anymore? The reason why is they are counting every single person with a respiratory illness as being a COVID illness, and thus those who die a COVID death. Previous year, about twenty to 30,000. You know how many people have died from COVID-19 in the United States? 600,000 Americans. Well, you, well, that, well the, the number that you all are giving that died, that's, that's once again, that's you all's number. People in America- you all's number, and he's exactly right. He is exactly right. That's the number they're coming up with because they are absolutely not being straightforward and upfront with the American people. Now, I want you to listen to that part where Fauci declared, and this is why, by the way, so many Republicans in Congress want to get this guy up and under oath one last time, catch him in his perjury, and then lock his sorry little elfish A up because he is a liar. He is a fraud, and he is responsible for literally the crime of the century. First of all, from its origin, when the gain-of-function research that was being done in the Wuhan laboratory was being funded in part by Tony Fauci, when you have the origin and then the guy responsible for the origin is the one responsible for coming up with the answer, and then he comes up with uh, with the mRNA technology, and it's killing people, it is poisoning people, it is creating paralysis, it is creating liver damage, it is create, creating lung damage, it is creating all kinds of issues, heart damage obviously being the most important. It is It is completely destroying some women's menstrual cycles, it is, it is legitimately a threat to cause uh, infertility in women. All of these things. The man is responsible for all of them. But now, having said all of that, as he sits here and goes door to door and lies to the American people and lies to these residents and tells them that, uh, you know, it used to take years, it doesn't anymore, I'm going to play for you a montage of cuts from Event 201. Event 201, 
was a simulation of a pandemic-style event that was conducted by Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security in partnership with, wait for it, the World Economic Forum and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. All right? These are the people who got together and simulated what we're going to do in the event of some sort of a respiratory illness pandemic. You want to know when they conducted this? October of 2019. If you're scoring at home, that is six months before the coronavirus pandemic, quote, escaped. The virus escaped from a Wuhan laboratory. Oh, I'm sorry, it didn't escape from a Wuhan laboratory. The original story is that it was a natural occurrence because of uh, infected bats being eaten in bat soup in wet markets down the road from the Wuhan Center for Virology in Wuhan, China. That's where it happened. It didn't happen in the in the virology center. No, 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 no. It happened in a wet market. But at any rate, this took place six months before the outbreak that we are still dealing with the after effects of now. Listen very carefully. Why don't we blow the system up? I mean, obviously we can't just turn off the spigot on the system we have and then say, hey. This, this by the way, is a gentleman by the name of Michael Spector. He is um, with The New Yorker, so he's media, and he was one of the individuals conducting the questions of the actual panelists in this uh, in this pandemic uh, simulation, if you will, from October of 2019. I'll give you the names of the people who are speaking as we go. Everyone in the world should get this new vaccine we haven't given to anyone yet. But there must be some way that we grow vaccines mostly in eggs the way we did in 1947. In order to make the transition... You know this voice. ...from getting out of the tried-and-true egg growing, which we know gives us results that can be, you know, beneficial. I mean, we've done well with that, to something that has to be much better. Uh, You have to prove that this works, and then you've got to go through all of the clinical trials, phase ones, phase twos, phase three, and then show that this particular product is going to be good over a period of years. That alone, if it works perfectly, it's going to take a decade. It might be. Did you uh, did you catch that? If we're going to get away from the tried and true egg growing method, we are going to have to have clinical trials, phase ones, phase twos, and phase threes that take years. He said, if we get to that point, then testing it for safety is going to take a decade. Now he said that. In October of 2019, 2019, six months before the outbreak, six months before the declaration of coronavirus, COVID-19 pandemic, nine months after that, nine months after that, they were jamming needles in arms. He said literally it would take a decade, a decade to do the clinical trials, one, phase two, Phase three, giving shots to people who have never had them before and testing them. Checking for what the two-year mark shows of side effects and after effects. Checking to see what the five-year mark showed in terms of side effects or adverse events. Checking to see what the eight-year, 
what the 10 year it's going to take a decade he said before we'll know if these are safe and effective he said these things in october of 2019 Come March of 2020, six months later, pandemic hits, and they are all already on the train, ready to go. Let's get these shots in arms. What happened to the decade? What happened to clinical uh, phase one, phase two, phase three? What happened to proving that it's safe and effective before putting it in a hashtag, safe and effective, come and get your shots? What happened to that? be a need or even an urgent call for uh, an entity of excitement out there that's completely disruptive that's not beholden to bureaucratic strings and, and, and processes so we really do have a problem of how the world perceives influenza and it's going to be very difficult to change that unless you do it from within and say i don't care what your perception is we're going to address the problem in a disruptive way and in an iterative way, because you do need both. But it is not too crazy to think that an outbreak of a uh, novel avian virus could occur in, in China somewhere. We could get the... By the way, curious that they said a novel avian outbreak, which was uh, reminiscent of the bird flu, but would originate in China somewhere. Isn't it interesting how they know exactly what country an outbreak that they are simulating is going to start in? RNA sequence from that, beam it to a number of regional centers, if not local, if not even in your home at some point, and print those vaccines on a patch and self-administer. People like myself and Tony... This is, this is Bill Gates speaking about this. Out here saying 18 months. If everything went perfectly, we could do slightly better than that. But there will be a trade-off. We'll have less safety testing than we typically would have. And so governments will have to decide, you know, do they indemnify the companies and really say, let's let's go out with this uh, when it's we just don't have the time to do what we normally do. You can run into. I'm just I'm just every I've heard this several times now, and I'm mind blown by the wording. Do we indemnify the companies, the manufacturers, the big pharmaceutical companies, so that they don't have to be held liable and accountable for the deaths of people that we jam these drugs into? Yep. He said, we're going to have to get this done. If we do it well, we could do it in 18 months, but that's seriously not as long as we would normally need to do this. They did it in nine. President Trump bragged about it. Operation Warp Speed, Warp Speed, Warp Speed, Warp Speed. Did it in nine months. These scientists and researchers... And doctors are telling us that even 18 months would be too fast. We need years to do this. But they did it anyway. To safety issues. So we're going to have to take something that usually takes five or six years and get it done in 18 months. If you want to wait and see if a side effect shows up two years later, uh, that takes two years. Uh, If you want to find out what side effects happen two years later, it takes two years. How many times did, did on this program over the last three years did I say those words or something similar, saying you can't tell what the long-term effects of a drug like this are until a long term of time has passed? You can't tell long-term side effects by crystal balling it. You don't get to shake the magic eight ball, Dr. Fauci or Bill Gates or any of the rest of you. You don't get to shake the magic eight ball and say, hey, is this vaccine that we're giving people going to be safe and effective? Shake, shake, shake. Outlook not good. 
That's all right. Let's shake it again. It's certain. Yay! You don't predict side effects and safety in a long term. You have to wait for a long term to go by. And now, despite all of what I just played for you, showed for you, demonstrated to you, Dr. Anthony Fauci is back on TV on MSNBC telling you, get ready because you're going to be taking these for the rest of your life. You know, we don't know definitively the answer to that, but it is likely that this thing is not going to disappear. It's not going to be eradicated and it's not going to be eliminated. So it's going to be around, you know, for the foreseeable future. So it is likely that we will require an intermittent, likely at the same time as we get a flu vaccine, at least once a year, very similar to what we do to keep updated on our immunity against influenza, it is very likely that the similar situation we'll be experiencing with COVID, namely getting a booster shot once a year, probably at the same time as we get an influenza shot. Two things jump out when you hear that. Thing one is that he wants you to get this once a year. Literally, he said, forever, because he said this is the likelihood this is never going away. So this isn't once a year for the next five years until coronavirus is completely eradicated. He said, this is never going to go completely away, and you need to do this once a year. So that means literally indefinitely, right? The second thing, thing two that jumped out is, did you notice the word that he used at the very beginning? He didn't say recommend. He didn't say suggest. What did he say? You know, we don't know definitively the answer to that, but it is likely that this thing is not going to disappear. It's not going to be eradicated and it's not going to be eliminated. So it's going to be around, you know, for the foreseeable future. So it is likely that we will require, 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 we will require. We will require you to have a new booster shot once a year. Not recommend. He didn't say recommend. Did I mishear that? Require an intermittent, likely at the same time as we get a flu vaccine. Who the hell is this little evil troll to require me to do anything in my free country? much less something that is killing people, that is causing young, healthy people to collapse with heart problems, with heart failure, when they've never been diagnosed with a heart ailment before. How many times do we need to see that? How many people do we need to see continuing to suffer from the after effects of these shots that this guy is mandating before we say, you know, maybe we ought to pull back on that, especially with, you know, the coronavirus waning. Instead of saying it's waning and we're fine, he's saying it still exists. Therefore, we need to keep going and requiring, not suggesting, not offering, not making available to you, but requiring booster shots for you indefinitely. So it's going to be around, you know, for the foreseeable future. So it is likely that we will require an intermittent, likely at the same time as we get a flu vaccine, 
at least once a year, very similar to what we do to keep updated on our immunity against influenza, it is very likely that the similar situation we'll be experiencing with COVID, namely getting a booster shot once a year, probably at the same time as we get an influenza shot. I don't know about you, but he comes to my door, knocking on the door with that message like he was in Washington, D.C. I've got one response for him. Out! 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 Immediately out! Don't, I don't want to talk to you. Not a word. I don't care what you have to say. Out! And we'll be back. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. Our number two is underway. At 9 minutes past 10 o'clock, good Tuesday morning to you. What day did I say that was? What day is this 21st morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2023? Well, obviously, it's Curse Now Day. Can you dig it? It's a beautiful thing, Curse Now Day. It, uh, it absolutely is. As uh, We welcome our good friend, Peter Kersenow, member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights, the longest-serving such member in the commission's history. He is a Cleveland attorney. He is a columnist. He is a part-time law professor. Uh, what else do we have? Best-selling author and so much more. Oh, and the host of the Kersenow Report right here on AM 1420, The Answer. The real question is, is how soon will he add another title to that business card of his? Before I bring in Pete, I want to read to you from the Washington Times an article about Sherrod Brown defending his Senate seat yet again coming up in 2024. Mr. Brown has so far drawn a single GOP challenger in State Senator Matt Dolan. Mr. Dolan, who owns a partial stake in the Cleveland Guardians baseball team, lost his bid for the U.S. Senate last year, but, or excuse me, after refusing to go all in as a Trump supporter. In the Republican primary, others thought to be considering runs include Secretary of State Frank LaRose, Bernie Marino, a luxury car dealer and businessman. What does this say? I, I'm in my reading glasses here. That can't say what I think it says. Hold on. Let me pull this up a little bit closer. And Pete Kersenow, an attorney and member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. Can you Peter Kersenow, is there something you've been neglecting to tell us? Bob, you know, I wouldn't neglect to tell you anything. Um, that's not my doing. I wanted to set the record straight on that. Um, <laughs> there have been people out here who've been talking about it, apparently, and I, no one contacted me from the Washington Times. I was as surprised as anybody when it was sent to me by a friend. The article was sent to me by a friend over the weekend. Um, you know, I know that there, there are some folks who are interested in me running, I look at what we've That's got. That's an understatement. Yeah, well, I look at what we have in terms of our potential candidates. You mentioned Bernie Marino, who uh, is a friend of mine, and I thought was a great candidate last time. I was disappointed when he dropped out. Um, and you know, if he's contemplating running again, this is a guy who embodies the American dream: self-made man, self-made. I mean, self-made man, but he, he was 
uh, came here as an immigrant and understands what it means to be an American. And there's so many other uh, good potential ones. Um, I haven't discounted it. I'm not saying never, 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 you know, um, but uh, that that was not my doing. It's not my impetus. Um, if I, I've never held office before. Uh, this is, and I'm not Donald Trump, who can go from you know not running for anything before and then going to be president of the United States. Um, you know, I, it's it's a difficult challenge. I think Sherrod Brown is eminently defeatable. I think Bernie Marino and others can do it. Uh, I think it must be done. Uh, this is a plus eight red state, and um, you know, Sherrod Brown doesn't embody, in my estimation, the values of of Ohioans. You know, and maybe he goes out there and he talks to he, you know he makes a, a deal about show, talking to blue collar workers and so on and so forth, um, but. Look at the Democrats' policies and how they have devastated blue-collar workers, especially in the Youngstown, Mahoning Valley area. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a travesty what's, what's occurred. So the Democratic Party is poison to not just blue-collar workers, but, but all workers, in Ohio especially. They've abandoned what used to be their base. You know, it used to be that many of us had parents who were Democrats. I was a nominal Democrat until the um, Clarence Thomas hearings, and I said, no way in the world can I ascribe to this party whatsoever. You know, that was more than 30 years ago. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they have completely abandoned the American ideal. In fact, so much of what they do is antithetical to the American dream and the American ideal. So he must be defeated. We've got people who can do it. If for some reason others can't do it, you know, that old phrase, now is the time for all good men to come to the aid of their country, even idiots <laughs> and, and people without any experience like myself. But um, that wasn't my doing. Well, I don't know about anybody else, but I think I just heard a campaign commercial. <laughs> not a campaign commercial. That's what I heard. Is you you picked apart Sherrod Brown, who he is, what he is, what his party stands for. You said that you're not saying never, 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 never. I just heard a campaign commercial. And maybe that's wishful thinking on my part, but I did take uh, great... Uh, pleasure in reading that line and i i knew it wouldn't be you uh, i knew you wouldn't have said something like that somebody had to float that out there but but pete as you well know there is you know a very very strong undercurrent if anything uh or at the very least uh for you to do something like this i mean we need a hero sometimes to step up and and as far as i've never done that before I've never held office before. You've also never played in the NFL, but that doesn't stop you from lobbying for one play for Kirsten. <laughs> you know that's that. my real goal right there. You know, <laughs> if I could do that, what Kirsten out for one play? That's what I want to do. That's really you got that. You nailed that. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, you know, look, it, it, there are others out there who I think can do a splendid job, and it needs to be done. We are at a crossroads in this country, no doubt about it. You know. Uh, I had Bernie on about a week and a half ago when I guest hosted for you. He talked about – he hasn't declared. I understand that. But um, I'm hopeful that he's going to take a good hard look at this. There are others out there who, you know, I, I don't know who they are, but they'll probably come forward because, you know, as Larry says, we've got a country to save. And things are getting incredibly bad uh, in every sphere that you can look at that could be touched by a politician and things that can't be touched by politicians or at least are downstream from politics. Um, Everything from, you know, uh, the culture that VDH, Victor Davis Hanson, has written about so eloquently, how he had a great article, as he usually does, several days ago, uh, comparing the United States' current, current condition to the Byzantine Empire, and it was frightening. It was really sobering. Uh, folks, we're in, we're in a bad situation right now, and it takes every single one of us to put on our armor and go out there and do battle. 
Very well said, Peter Kersenow. Okay, <clears throat> we'll talk more about that as the weeks go on. By the way, I had Bernie on yesterday. I know you didn't hear it, but I had Bernie on yesterday, and I asked him the same question with more seriousness than I asked you, though, because um, you know he has indicated that he's uh, you know seriously considering another run, and he pretty much reiterated that yesterday. He's very seriously considering it. He's going to sit down with his family as uh, the weeks go by and maybe months go by before he makes a fir- permanent and firm decision. But, uh, but yeah, uh, I think there's a very, very, very strong chance that Bernie is a part of uh, that field to challenge Sherrod Brown. Okay, Pete, let's um, let's dive into the big story uh, in the country over the course of the last four or five days. Uh, Alvin Bragg is the uh, prosecutor in Manhattan. We all know the story. His predecessor, Cyrus Vance, did not choose to indict or press charges against Donald Trump for uh, the quote-unquote hush money payments uh, to uh, to Stormy Daniels. But this guy comes in and says, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I think everybody knows that the uh, uh, story here is is 100% persecution. Well, let me do 95% persecution, 5% prosecution, but he's going to use his office and weaponize it to do this against President Trump. Everybody has had a take on this. I haven't heard yours. Mine is the same as everyone else's, uh, because this is a no-brainer, Bob. This is one of the most um, – we, we have been on this for, what, seven, eight years now, Bob? And we've talked about threats to the republic because they've been coming fast and furious lately, first from the Obama administration and now from the Biden administration. And I never thought I'd say this, but the Obama administration is at least – I don't know how many several fold worse than the Obama administration for a whole variety of reasons. They've got a lot of their retreads, their most radical retreads, who are manning the levers of government because Biden is not, that's for sure. But this is an enormous threat to the republic. Um, when you have, and, and others have said this, and I'll simply repeat it because there's no way of saying something different about something so fundamental and important. And that is when the American populace no longer has faith in the rule of law, game over. The United States is over. We've seen selective prosecutions from the Democrats and this DOJ. I, I think I've told you before. I remember... A few years ago, I argued before Merrick Garland when he was on the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, number two court in the land. And I remember coming back and telling my law partners, I said, you know what? He was pretty good. He asked really good questions. And I had a favorable disposition toward him as a result of that. No more. It's a travesty what's going on here. The rule of law is being abrogated. You can see what happened at Stanford University, which augurs how badly this is going to look in five years. But it's bad enough now. It's horrible. The politicization of law enforcement, where you've got raids on Mar-a-Lago, depending upon whether someone is a Republican or a Democrat or Donald Trump, okay, who's in a special category. But no time in our history did we even contemplate going after the opponent, the the primary opponent of the commander-in-chief in in an upcoming election, and that's what they're doing. In every single one of the books I've written so far, fiction novels, including the one that's coming out soon and then another one shortly thereafter, I mention one of the most evil men in the history of the world, NKVD chief Lavrente Berea. And he used to say, and you've probably heard this mentioned a number of times already, he used to say, show me the man and I'll show you the crime. It didn't take anything for a prosecution to trump up charges, no pun intended, mm-hmm. and go after somebody. That was the Soviet way. That was the Maoist way. That's not the American way. It's the antithesis of it. And we're devolving to that very, very quickly. And Alvin Bragg, who is 
one of those Soros-funded prosecutors, and look at every single one of them. Your audience knows this. They've seen it on Tucker and other places. Every single one of them preside over a city where crime is rampant, where you can't even walk on the streets anymore. It was just 10 years ago that New York City was considered to be the safest big city in, in the entire world. Now look at it. It's a sewer. Alvin Bragg has lowered, has, has reduced felony charges in 50% of the cases to misdemeanors. Remember that guy who was wielding an axe at McDonald's? He was on video. That guy was out within two hours. But they're going after Donald Trump for a bogus campaign violation? Look, this was a misdemeanor, which he tried to bootstrap into a felony because the statute of limitations had, had run. And guess what? He's still Two trying. He's still trying on that point. Yeah, he's trying to marry yeah, it, it to another charge so he can raise, raise it to which a level is Which is ridiculous. Which is ridiculous because if you look at what, what happened here, I mean, I mean no, so many people have commented about this because this is such a no-brainer. It tells you how ridiculous this is and how dangerous it is that with sunshine shining on this guy in the bright, you know, sunshine, uh, the bright light of day, he is doing something so transparently political. And he would, he feels like, you know, nobody can touch him. I'm glad that Jim Jordan has asked him to come testify because he shouldn't be doing this with impunity. But what he's taking here is, he says that these payments to uh, Stormy Daniels or whatever her name is, uh, constituted a campaign violation because he didn't report it accurately. Yeah. Um, what a, an amazing joke. If that were the case, Hillary Clinton should never get out of jail, and her bones after she dies should be incarcerated. This is, she paid for the Steele dossier, which was the lead-up to the biggest corruption scandal in American history, where they went after a candidate on a trumped-up charge, had the resources, the DOJ, FBI, going on this wild goose chase, which was manufactured by Hillary Clinton paying for the Steele dossier. Nobody charged her for that. There are numerous other violations that Clinton and Obama and everybody else have been involved in. They go after this. And under, uh, you know, I filled out uh, I've, I've, I've uh, drafted a number of NDAs, non-disclosure agreements. Every labor and employment lawyer out there has drafted, if they've been in practice for more than two years, probably 10 of them. And if they've been in practice as long as I have, I've got a library of them. You do it as a matter of course, almost, when there is you know, a top-level executive, or not even a top-level executive, somebody who is considered to be fairly important to the organization, may have some information, um, or could be a competitor. It's very often... Uh, contained within a non-compete agreement. But this is standard. There's nothing unusual about this. And I don't know if you saw, I think it was, um, uh, gosh, I can't remember his name, the attorney for Michael Cohen who came out. Yeah. And I, I was surprised they did come out, frankly. It was really kind of stunning to me. The fact they did come out should tell you all you need to know about Michael Cohen and the veracity of the charges. But, uh, you know, he said that numerous times. Cohen was lying about this. It was not true. End of story. But Alvin Bragg continues to pursue this, and we must be very concerned, whether it's Donald Trump or Mickey Mouse, when this kind of stuff happens, game over. The United States is over. This is how critical this is. This is not an overstatement. We are not a banana republic. But so many Soros prosecutors are trying to turn us into one, either through politicized prosecutions or simply letting criminals on the street to foment anarchy, which allows them then to take the heavy hand of the government and impose their vision of what the United States is supposed to be upon the rest of us free-loving people.
Yeah, uh, Banana Republic is how Bernie Moreno described it yesterday, too. And he said that coming from a place of, you know, yep. he was born and, uh, and grew up in uh, in South America before his mother brought him here. And uh, he saw it and, and knows exactly what that looks like. And that is exactly what we are seeing here. By the way, you're speaking of Robert Costello, who is the former uh, uh, legal counsel for Michael Cohen, who uh, specifically testified yesterday about this. Grabian, a uh, multimedia marketplace. That's not cool. Hold on. We should be, we should be live here. Here we go. Grabian, no, we're not. the multimedia market. Okay, uh, I wanted to play the clip. I thought I had it queued up. But uh, Robert Costello basically said, I know, I talked to Michael Cohen, and what he told me compared to what he said publicly to television cameras, I knew he was telling lies. He said, if I uh, uh, remember what he said yesterday correctly, 50 to 100 lies, observable and easily provable, that he told. So the idea that this is the star witness, that this is the guy that is going to lead to Donald Trump being indicted is is just simply well it would be laughable if it wasn't so serious but it is uh it is obviously completely uh uh political in nature so let's let's talk about this briefly um if the new york situation does not resolve itself we have that to deal with but even if it does uh in alvin bragg like let's say he decides not to indict because of all of the you know all of the pressures and everything that we're hearing and we're talking about the left is clinging now to the belief and the narrative that he is going to be indicted for far more serious charges in the state of Georgia. Uh, excuse me, specifically for his questioning of the validity of that election and his pleading for more votes uh, to be found by Raffensperger and so on and so forth. So they are literally saying that no matter what happens with the quote-unquote minor case of uh, Stormy Daniels in New York City or in Manhattan, uh, Donald Trump is still going to have to face the uh, the music and will be indicted in Georgia. Any thoughts on that? I don't have too many because I don't know enough about the facts of the situation, even though my default position is going with Trump on almost anything. This guy has been persecuted, not prosecuted, persecuted since the very beginning. I know a lot of people hate his guts. You know what? That's not the basis in the United States of America for bringing a prosecution. Other individuals, such as Hillary Clinton, for example, and a lot of other Democrats have done things that are at least as bad or worse, arguably, than what Donald Trump is even alleged to do, and there's no prosecution there. Again, two-tiered system of justice, even if you consider... Georgia to be a more Republican-leaning state. Uh, there are certain individuals within Georgia where you have to really question that. And I'm not going to mention any names, but there does seem to be a vendetta that is being waged by some toward Donald Trump. I'm not here to defend Donald Trump. I mean, look, you can make your own decisions with respect to Donald Trump. I, I happen to think he was a spectacular president. I don't necessarily like some of the things he does or says, but you know what? A lot of presidents say things that I don't like or say, but you take the good with the bad. There's a lot more good than bad. But Donald Trump made certain allegations in Georgia. I think that got some people upset. I don't know if that's the basis upon which they're driving any kind of potential look at whether or not they would prosecute him. But I'll take a look at the facts. For me, Donald Trump is not immune to prosecution, but this guy has been persecuted since the very beginning. Two impeachments that were incredibly bogus just were completely and utterly politically driven. I know, my, my goodness, call the cops, you know, politics is being done in Washington. But this was absurd. No, but this is different. I, I ran through yesterday on the show, I ran through the litany of things that they did to this guy from the moment he came down the escalator. Uh, yep. The things that they did to demonize him, uh, completely unfair, complete, even in the world of politics, what was done to him was, was unprecedented. Not to mention, when he got into office, they were still spying on him. I don't want to go through the whole thing again, but as you point out, too, 
completely ridiculous uh, 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 impeachments. The, the you know the collusion investigation. You know with with. Uh, uh, what's his name, Robert Mueller, and so forth. I mean, the fact that they, the, the last one, and then after he's out, the January 6th committee, which is intended solely not to bring safety and security to the Capitol by finding out what happened that day, but to specifically blame Donald Trump for it so he can never run again. Right. Everything that w- has been done to him has been literally unprecedented. That doesn't mean, by the way, he's a flawless guy. Clearly he's not. But everything that has been done to him, uh, it's it's unprecedented, and it is indeed, uh, th- those are the hallmarks of a, a of a banana republic, as you say. we got to take our time out here, Pete. It's already 1028. I didn't even realize it. We'll come back after the break on Always Ray Radio. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. All right, a couple of things I need to do here to clean up on aisle four before I continue with uh, Peter Kersenow. Number one, as I was searching for more clips of the door-to-door uh, campaign to get the uh, jabs in the arms from Dr. Fauci and Muriel Bowser going through Washington, D.C., uh, as I was searching for more of the clips that I was playing for you earlier, uh, I found out that those were not current, even though they are listed on current um uh, audio source uh, sites, which is where I got them, uh, they are from 2021. So this is before some of the recent statements by the CDC proving that the shots that they were jamming into people's arms on a mandatory basis in many cases um, did it did protect you and did inoculate you from infection. So I can't say that they went door-to-door telling the lies when they said these kind of things. No, no, not at all. In fact, we got to get you vaccinated so that if you were to get infected, you could pass it on to them. So, you- so we can't say these are lies now after the proven fact. But what we can say is, which is perhaps even worse, is they were just wrong. They were just, unless they knew and were lying in 2021, they were at least, at the very, very least, they were uh, uh, conveying misinformation to these people as they were trying to talk them into getting needles into the arms of their children and their families. Uh, they were wrong. Obviously, it does not inoculate. So I wanted that to be clear. Those were not current videos or audio clips for your sake. Those were from 2021. Point remains the same. Cleanup number two is for Peter Kersenow. This is what Robert Costello said about his former client, Michael Cohen. But Michael Cohen is far from solid evidence. This guy, by any prosecutor's standard, and I used to be deputy chief of the criminal division in the Southern District of New York, I wouldn't have touched a guy like Michael Cohen, especially if he's a convicted perjurer. Not to mention, as I said, the 50 to 100 lies he told us that are in those 330 emails. So he's a convicted perjurer. He is not somebody who can or should be trusted. So, Pete, we have that aspect. And now, uh, last part of our conversation on the uh, Alvin Bragg weaponization uh, against President Trump to try to uh, potentially indict him. John Bolton, who, of course, used to work for President Trump, uh, was speaking on CNN, and he was echoing the viewpoint of many people when he said this. Well, just, just to explain, if he's about to be arrested, it almost certainly means he's going to be indicted first. He's going to be required to come in and surrender himself to answer to the indictment. So it's not some random decision. Uh, I strongly believe in a, in a free society there's got to be one rule of law for everybody. Uh, I think that's clear. I don't know how you make that judgment uh, when you're talking about a case involving somebody paying hush money to a prostitute or a stripper. I, I only know one person who's ever done that. I worked for him. It's a, it's a kind of strange uh, situation. But I'll say this. 
However guilty Trump may be, and having very much in mind the one rule of law for everybody, if they indict and fail to convict in New York, uh, I think historians would look back and say that is the act that reelected Donald Trump president. So I. So there you have it, uh, Peter. John Bolton, who used to be his national security advisor, <clears throat> says that um, if they go for him here, if they indict him, if they handcuff him, if they perp walk him and they don't convict him and remove him from the ballot, make him ineligible in any way from running for president, this will result in his reelection. Elon Musk said something similar a couple of days ago, that this persecution of Trump is only going to make him stronger as people rally to his defense, maybe even people who didn't like him before, but who hate seeing miscarriages of justice like this taking place. Your thoughts? I, I agree entirely. It's like when Obi-Wan Kenobi gets hit by uh, Darth Vader. He says, "If you, what was it they said? In the, if you hit me, you're only going to make me stronger or something. That's what's going to happen to Donald Trump. It doesn't I'll take your guarantee. Star Wars word for that. <laughs> it doesn't guarantee necessarily that he'll be elected, but there's going to be a rally around effect that's going to be very, very difficult to stop. It's going to be a juggernaut because just as you indicated, a lot of people who have misgivings, a lot of people who hold their nose in the beginning and, you know, they're going to go ahead because they understand that this is a threat to the rule of law. This is a dagger at the throat of every American. If they can do it to the president or a former president or the principal opponent of a, sit a sitting president, they can and will do it to anyone. One thing that we have to remember is as much as this angers us, First of all, because as conservatives, we respect the rule of law. We must make sure that we don't take any kind of action that um, is in violation of the rule of law. But more importantly, I believe that what many Democrats want, I think a lot of Democrats are very skittish about this, and they think it may redound against them. But there is a whole cohort of them, I believe, just having watched what they've been doing and knowing some of these people, having worked with some of them, who are hoping that this triggers or incites the right to engage in mass protests and violence. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was a replication of January 6th. They're trying to get as much mileage as they can out of it. So if you're out there and you're angry, if Trump gets indicted, if you, you know, might even be remotely thinking about engaging in something that might even be just a misdemeanor, do not do it, because this is going to be fuel for the Democrats. This is precisely what they want. And I wouldn't also be surprised if you see some individuals who are sprinkled throughout any kind of a protest crowd who will incite this kind of stuff, just as they did with a number of other protests that we've seen where they put in agents provocateur, whether they're from Antifa or BLM or someplace, someplace else like that. So they can point to otherwise peaceful protests from conservatives and say, oh, my goodness, these folks are out of control. We must we must oppose them at every turn. So do not take the bait. Peter, let's move on to another issue here, um, because this is enormous. <clears throat> the president of the United States, the current president, the doddering, uh, cognitively uh, declining uh, old, old fool Joe Biden, has finally used his veto pen. I'm sorry. I know I'm being charitable. You're being charitable I'm to, today. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be nice. Um, he just vetoed his first bill, and the bill that he vetoed is going to put the retirement savings and and investments of millions and literally a couple hundred million Americans uh, in serious jeopardy. Uh, the bill is an ESG <clears throat> ESG bill. What it did, for those who do not know, ESG is uh, is environmental, social, and corporate governance. Um, 
the legislation that was pushed by the Republicans and passed prevented Biden from promoting ESG uh, and telling private insurers uh, or, excuse me, investors that they have to consider ESG when they're making investment decisions. And I'll quote here from an article in Fox News that summarizes it this way. The bill specifically ended enforcement of a new Labor Department rule. This is in your wheelhouse that urged private retirement plan fiduciaries to consider ESG in their investment decisions. Under the rule, fiduciaries that make investment decisions for the retirement plans of more than 150 million people would be explicitly permitted under federal guidelines to consider companies' approach to climate change and other social issues instead of focusing only on profitability and return on investment issues for retirees. Um, this is, this is disgusting. This is reprehensible. Telling, telling investors that they can put people's, uh, retirement savings, things they are planning on living on for the rest of their lives in jeopardy, all to promote climate change, uh, um, initiatives in various companies. Your thoughts? Yeah, this is a big deal. You know, our friend Vivek Lamaswamy has talked about this, has written a book about this called Woke Inc. And what has happened here is these huge investment groups, you know, like BlackRock, that control literally trillions of dollars worth of investments in pension funds and elsewhere, are telling corporations that they can guide corporations in a way anathema to what investors and the public want. And many of these investment vehicles are explicitly left-wing, very progressive, and they drive things such as DEI and CRT and environmental issues rather than trying to maximize return for investors. A lot of people who are much smarter than me and understand this much better than I do have indicated, Vivek's one of them, have indicated that this may be part of the reason why we've had so many corporate problems, you know, from bank bank failures, etc., because of this kind of approach, which doesn't look to maximize investments, but engages in stupid things, such as trying to make the, the uh, electrical grid um, one that's uh, green, you know, which can't be done. It's, uh, it, it, you know, look, let's face it, it cannot be done anytime in the next 30 to 40 years. Cannot be done. It's an abomination. It's a fraud. It cannot be done. And yet, they're doing these things which hurt the corporations, hurt return on investment. But more importantly, this is what's more, more important. They are subtly but significantly moving the argument, moving the Overton window to decidedly leftist position. And you're seeing that everywhere. And you're seeing overt racial and sexual discrimination going on at these companies because this is what's being promulgated. You're seeing investments in things that do not work but push a leftist agenda and is hurting the country. Again, I'll mention Victor Davis Hanson, who's written a number of very good articles about the direction in which we're going. And there are others who've done the same thing. We are in a very, very tough spot. I've been saying that for several years, but right now, it doesn't get any worse than this. This is one of those things where a little bit more of a push in a leftist direction and we go off a cliff. And we're seeing something. We've got bank failures. We've got out-of-control immigration that somebody said, somebody estimated, I think it was uh, fair, said it's costing New York City alone. New York City alone, $10 billion. Rampant crime. And the most important thing that's not being reported about adequately 
is the meeting between Xi and Putin, which signals a rapprochement between China, or at least a, a, a more cordial relationship between China and Russia, which had been an event that we've been trying to forestall ever since you know, before Nixon, and then gradually we started to forget about that. We cannot have that union under any circumstances, otherwise it's a dark day in the world, but we're ignoring all these major developments, and we're doing stupid things, things that do not help America, and you can they have measurable harms to America. This needs to be stopped. Um, we have to return to where we, well, actually, don't even return. We have to be more progressive than progressives, that is, achieve the American ideal as originally constituted by the founding fathers, and make sure that the America that Bernie Marino came to is the America that we have for our children. Uh, Peter, last subject for you, and great explanation, by the way, uh, on this uh, uh, ESG investment in this veto. Uh, he is so disingenuous in what this this does; it's um, it's it's reprehensible and it's dangerous. Bob, I don't think I don't think he knows what the heck he's doing, and that's another thing that's frightening. I mean, we've talked about it forever and ever, but it's an abomination that we have this cipher in the Oval Office. Yet we're training tons of resources against Donald Trump because he's the big orange man. I, I would agree he doesn't know what he's doing, but the people who were advising him yep. slash controlling him do, and they feed him his lines, you know. And when he says the things that he says about uh, what this what this uh, veto does, uh, it, it's very very frustrating, and, and quite frankly, it's obviously very dishonest, and it's uh, uh, it, it's it's hard to listen to, uh, and it is very very dangerous. But I want to get off of that for just a moment and finish with this, Peter. Uh, you and I talked very briefly about the situation with Mid-Vermont Christian uh, a couple of weeks ago. This is the uh, high school in White River Junction, Vermont, right. whose girls' basketball team was in a Division Five playoff tournament game against Long Trail, and they decided to forfeit that game. They weren't going to participate, and the reason why is they wanted to protect their girls, because Long Trail had a biological male on the team. We believe playing against an opponent with a biological male jeopardizes the fairness of the game and the safety of our players, said MVCS head of school, Vicki Fogg. Now, we knew that there was going to be repercussions here, but I didn't know it was going to be this far. As a result, the entire school is now being punished. No sports for them at all, ever, anywhere. According to the Mid-Vermont, or excuse me, the VPA, the Vermont Principals Association, which is the governing body for sports in that state, Mid-Vermont Christian is now banned from, quote, all VPA-sanctioned activities and tournaments. Quote, if you, don't fo- uh, if you don't want to follow VPA rules, that's fine, but then you're just not a VPA member. It's fairly simple, end quote. That came from their executive director. So, Peter, no school sports of any kind in, uh, in the state of Vermont because they decided that girls should play against girls and boys should play against boys and never the twain shall meet. You know, I think uh, I'm hopeful Alliance Defending Freedom, in fact, I expect that they probably will be on this. Title IX does not compel any of this. In fact, Title IX would be a good weapon to protect a school against something like this. We've talked about this on this show, and I had uh, somebody from Alliance Defending Freedom on one, I guess, hosted for you last time, talking about the Vermont, uh, the Connecticut case, Seoul versus Connecticut. And... um, can we be serious in this country? Or have we just completely lost our marbles? There is virtually—I mentioned, you know, the one stat with respect to Allison Felix is the fastest woman in the history of the world. History of the world, not just right now, but the history of the world. 
yet there are 250 high school boys in the United States alone today, not yesterday, but just today, who can destroy her record. This is not fair. And that we are going along. Look, I hope that whoever it was, the person, the, the, the guy who is, thinks he's a, a girl and wants to play on the team, I, ho- I wish the best to him. And I think almost every one of your listeners wishes the best thing for this individual. But the best thing for everybody is to look at the facts. These girls can get hurt badly competing against a male. It is not fair. It is not an even competition. This is extraordinary what's going on. You know, we we talked about, um, and I can't remember her name right now, but the MMA fighter, MMA champ, who fought against a biological male. Fox Fallon. That's the one, exactly. And you look at her commentary afterward. She had... 17 stitches. She had her cranium crushed. She said she'd never felt anything like that before, and she was the champ. She had no chance whatsoever. I don't need to repeat this because every single listener, including the people who imposed the sanction on the school in Vermont, understand implicitly. They know it if they've been alive for 14 seconds. And where are the feminists? That's the real question because, look, I think everybody should be opposed to his parents and everyone else. But the feminists have clothed themselves with the moral authority of going after anything that harms women. Where are they on this? Because we are looking at the obliteration of women's sports. This is well, well, you know, I mean, let's ask this, Pete. Where are the feminists when it comes to just eliminating women, period? The, yeah. the US, USA Today did it again. I don't know if you saw this. The, the USA Today annual woman of the year award uh was was given out over this past weekend just a couple of days ago and usa today named representative lee fink a biological male as minnesota's woman of the year quote i have a future-oriented vision of what the work is that's how i think of it i think now what we're doing for our children's sake for the next generation for 30 years from now by the way they're harming children uh said the first transgender lawmaker in the minnesota house fink has been an activist for transgender and lgbtq rights as well as black lives matter almost her whole his they say her i'm saying his life peter when are women going to get tired of not being allowed to be women? When are they going to be tired of of biological males completely intruding on their spaces, taking their awards, winning their races, winning their swim meets, dominating their basketball games? And now, again, just the purpose of the simple fact of being a woman. You can't even compete against only other women for woman of the year. Right, and, and you get banished from competition, entire school getting banished from this. So all those girls are not going to be able to participate in interscholastic sports. Um, it shouldn't be just left to the feminists, and, I, and I'm glad that a lot of people are weighing in on this, but they have been the ones who said, we are the vanguard of feminism, we are the ones who are going to protect women's rights, and they are missing in action. It tells you everything you want to know about many of them. I'm not going to paint a broad brush, but it tells you what, that you have to know about many of them. It wasn't about equal rights for women. That's not what it was about. It was pushing their leftist agenda, which they've done very, very successfully. And ask yourself, have things gotten better? In many respects, they have, no doubt about that. But here's what I saw that was interesting yesterday. I don't know how accurate this is, but I think it was the American Psychological... I I don't know which organization it was, but 56% of liberal women have been treated for some type of mental dysfunction. Now think about that. 56 who have been treated, 56%. Not everyone goes to seek treatment. 
I think that, and it's not just women, you look around the dysfunction among our young kids, among men, among everybody in the United States of America, in the West generally, is increasing at a geometric rate. And this is just one of those things. When we are divorced from reality, you start to wonder, how do, how do I navigate society? And you're punished for it. They even went after, as we all know, J.K. Rowling, but she's got, you know, what a certain type of money. I won't mention it on the air, but she's got the kind of money where she can say, forget it. I don't care what you have to say. Not many people have that kind of money. Maybe an Elon Musk, maybe a J.K. Rowling, but the rest of us, yeah. we cower at the prospect of being canceled. It's very real. It's very powerful. And combined with ESG and all the money there, corporations, look at what the San Diego Sharks, the hockey team is doing. This is all in service of an agenda that is harming not just those businesses, but individual Americans, individual human beings. And yet we are quiet. We've been cowed. We need to speak up. Look, I've said it for a long time, and you know I'm going to be canceled. A number of people try to cancel me a lot of times over the course of my career. I don't want to be canceled. Nobody does. But I don't care. I'm not going to raise my grandkids in a society where you can't speak the truth. Well, Peter Kersenow, that's very well said, and that is what it's all about, honestly, is being able to speak the truth without being canceled or without being forced to speak lie. That's a big difference there, too, is one, being allowed to speak the truth, two, is being punished for not speaking a lie. And there's a, there's, there's a variation there. There really is. Forced and compelled and remember, speech is so incredibly dangerous, maybe more so than suppressed or silenced or censored speech is compelled speech, being forced to say things you do not believe. That's what Jack Phillips fought against. That's what Baronel Stutzman fought against. That's what so many uh, you know, of the ADF clients who we were talking about are fighting against, being told uh, or fighting back against uh, being told that they have to say something or contribute something or participate in something that they do not believe in. Pete, did you want to finish? The great Alexander Solzhenitsyn said, live not by lies. A very difficult thing to do, actually. But in the United States of America, we have that option, and we better exercise it. Senator Kersenow, thank you, my friend. <laughs> See you, Bob. That's Peter Kersenow. Uh Yeah, that would be a nice addition to his business card. Uh, U.S. Senator would be phenomenal. Uh, he didn't say no. As a famous movie line once said, you're saying there's a chance? Yeah, he's saying there's a chance. Maybe a tiny one, but he's saying there's a chance. Uh, we got news coming up. We'll be back. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by Keeping Medicare Simple and The Floor King. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio. 
with Bob Fred on AM 1420, The Answer. Alrighty then, hour number three underway now, 10 minutes past 11 o'clock on this Tuesday, 21st morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2023. When are women going to get sick and tired of this, though? You know, Pete ta- uh, talked about it briefly. You know, he said, look, it should be up to everybody, really, to protest this stuff, not just the feminists. He's right, of course, but... Um, but feminist women have to be first in this line, don't they? Aren't they the ones? Didn't they declare themselves to be the defenders of women? Defenders of and uh, proponents for, you know, the, the, the crowd that is supposed to advance the cause of women. Rights and so forth. Where are the feminists when men are taking women out of everything? They're shoving them out of sports. Literally. You had one of them. Where, where, oh, gosh. Let me see if I can uh, uh, pull this up on just a moment's notice because it just reminded me. It just came into my head. Um, there was one trans, in other words, biological male who just won a championship of some sort, I think, in track. And when asked about the sadness and the disappointment and the frustration and the anger of the girls that he beat, he responded to the media or somebody, just deal with it. In other words, I don't care what you say, chick. I'm coming in here. I can't win races as a dude, so I'm coming into your backyard, and I'm taking all your trophies. Just deal with it. Here it is. I found it. I wasn't sure if I'd be able to pull that up on a moment's notice because it just remind, I was just reminded of it because it's from a few days ago. This was from the 16th. So what's today? So five days ago. A Massachusetts high school track team beat, all, beat out all competition recently, winning the girls' state track and field championships with the help of an 11th grade boy, a biological male. According to uh, the report, Chloe Barnes helped Brookline High School win the state's Interscholastic Athletics Association Division I Indoor Track and Field Championships after competing in the girls' 55-meter hurdles, um, coming in fourth place behind his school teammate. Barnes reportedly just began competing in girls' athletics in grade 11 and had already helped the team win the 4x200-meter relay in January. State rules allow boys to compete in girls' athletics and vice versa, with the rule stating students who are transgender, in other words, students with severe psychological illness who should be being treated by psychotherapists uh, and um, social workers and psychologists and psychiatrists, yeah, they may completely wreck the sports landscape. And I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, by participating in, with, in the uh, gender identity they consistently assert at school. Not the one they were born with, but the one that they assert at school. Okay, super. Barnes told a student newspaper in 2022 that he was practicing with the girls' team, but competing against the boys at the time. I'm in an arrangement with my coaches where I practice with the girls' team, but compete on the boys' team, Barnes said. It was more a result of me just being afraid of other people watching me race. Well, you should be. You're a dude. Go race against the guys. No embarrassment. The high school paper asked Barnes for comment regarding people who wanted to restrict trans athletes' presence on athletic teams. Barnes simply replied, deal with it. Just deal with it. Wow. Girls, how do you feel about that? Ladies, how do you feel about a guy just telling you, I'm coming, I'm going to take your stuff, I'm going to take your place, I'm going to boot you out, and just deal with it? All-American swimmer Riley Gaines posted a photo of Barnes, the biological male, alongside the girls in the, uh, at the uh, uh, 
medal stand and noted the obvious difference in size between the athletes, saying, quote, Massachusetts Girls High School Track and Field State Championship a few weeks ago. Can you guess which one is the male? (laughs) Yeah, you better believe that. The Independent Council on Women's Sports pointed out the difference in height for hurdles in girls versus boys competitions. I I forgot about that part. The girls' hurdles are shorter in stature than the boys' hurdles because girls don't hurdle as well. They don't jump as well. They can't handle them as well. They're not as big. Just a biological fact between males and females. And so they have a different uh, set of hurdles. But the biological dude says, I'm a girl, and he gets to run on the low hurdles. Interesting. Junior non-binary identifying male Chloe Barnes helped girls team win Massachusetts high school state championships with performance in hurdles. Girls hurdles 33 inches high versus boys hurdles 6 inches higher, 39 inches high. Wow. I'm just going to ask that question. Ladies, are you done with this? Or at what point do you get done with this? Are you sick and tired of losing your rights? quite frankly, to your own sports, to your own venues, to your own events. And then we've got the girls' Vermont, uh, uh, mid-Vermont Christian basketball team saying, no, we're not going to play. You know, we hear that a lot. A lot of the times when we see these videos and we see these uh, fic- uh, pictures, photographs, uh, or stories of uh, boys intruding on girls' sports, and we say, well, it's the girls' fault. What do you mean? Well, what they should have all done is walked off of the starting gates. They should just walk away and say, we're not doing this. We're not racing against this guy. And a lot, of, and I kind of say, yeah, you know, it would make a heck of a statement, wouldn't it, to say, I'm not, we're just not going to participate. Uh, we're going to forfeit this thing in protest of having to compete against men. And, well, here's a team that did it. Here's the mid-Vermont Christian team that did it. And the result was, fine, you don't want to play. You're booted from the league. You now have no, not just your team, by the way, but all of the sports teams at your school. Think about that for a moment. That's what they've done is punishing everybody for the girls wanting to play against girls. They walked off, as a lot of people have suggested. Bring bring that now to the... The, the Minnesota Women of the Year or Woman of the Year. It's a woman of the year. USA Today named a Woman of the Year from every state, apparently, is where they do this. And their choice in Minnesota is a dude, a biological male member of the Minnesota State House named Lee Fink or Finky. This is who they honored as Woman of the Year, a biological male. Women, when are you going to get tired of this? Am I going to answer that question? When are you going to be tired of this? When are you going to acknowledge this cannot continue? Well, apparently the answer to that question is not anytime soon. How do I know this? So, so there's a, I'm going to play this audio here. Sorry, it started a little bit prematurely. I'm going to play this audio here. I played audio from this particular podcast called the Whatever Podcast about a different story a few weeks back. And it was very eye-opening then, and it's very eye-opening now as well. At this table, in front of seven microphones, we find one male and six women. All of them look like young Gen Z or maybe younger millennial age um, females who are asked a very, very simple question by the male. And that is to define the word woman. And what I want you to listen for here is not just the responses, but the way the responses are delivered and the reasons for those responses. 
and I'll see if you can pick up on it before I explain it um, at the end. But this is about two minutes long, and I want you to listen very, very closely as the conversation is peaceful. It is not aggressive by the male who is asking the question in any way, shape, or form, but he's looking for a legitimate answer from each of these girls, each of these young girls, women, whatever you want to call them, about what it is to be a woman. Listen closely. What I guess my question is, you keep you said uh, that they're both women, right? So what what is a woman? A woman is anyone who wants to identify as one. A cat is a cat because they are a cat. That's not like. I feel uh, like this isn't a gotcha. It's just a genuine question. What like is a woman? Hold are, on. Let's wh- hold on. Go ahead. Um, I didn't have anything to say yet. Okay. But w- what is a woman? A person. No, but what is the definition of what is a woman? I don't know. I'm confused now. I have to pause it here just because of the alarming stupidity on display. I don't. It's not stupidity because she knows what he's asking. And she doesn't want to say it. She doesn't want to admit what a woman is. So she stops and says, I didn't have anything to say here. He says, but what is a woman? And she says, I don't know. I'm confused now. I'm confused as to what a woman is. Now, he's moving counterclockwise uh, around the table here to the next one. So uh, the first answer was, it's anybody who identifies as one. So you hear that? All you have to do is identify as one, and you now are officially a woman and entitled to whatever that entails. The second one says, I don't know. I'm confused now. And let's continue. I, I understand what your argument is. I do, if I come out and I say a woman is a, someone who was born biologically a woman, I understand that that's where you're coming from. And I agree everyone is entitled to their own opinion. But I personally, I as an individual, respect trans people. I sure. respect trans women. So I'm not going to come on here and invalidate them by saying that. I understand completely where you're coming from. But just from my personal preference, I don't feel comfortable doing that. Answer. I don't feel comfortable telling the truth, is what she said. She said, I understand where you're coming from, and everybody's entitled to their own opinion, but they're not. Nobody is entitled to an opinion about a biological immutable fact of what an actual female of our species is. No one is entitled to an opinion on that when facts are, are like I said, irrefutable and immutable. But she said, so I know what you are saying here, but I respect trans women, so I'm not going to say the truth. I'm not going to tell you the truth about what a real woman is simply because um, it, 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 it means I'm not validating the people who pretend to be women, which, of course, is exactly what you should be doing. But that's that's uh, respondent number three. Here's number four. Answering the question. Okay. No, th- hey, that's that's okay. What about you? I'm just not really interested in having this conversation about trans people anymore it, because you seem very clearly committed to misunderstanding. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I am trying to understand. I'm just trying to get people's perspective. So what is a woman? You seem committed to misunderstanding, he said. You seem committed to misunderstanding. He's asking the question, what is a woman? What's to be understood or misunderstood? Just answer it. This is another one who said, I'm not comfortable having this conversation because if I tell the truth, I'm going to be, quote, unquote, not validating the trans women. And I don't want to do that. 
I don't want to answer the question honestly and truthfully because then it would force me to face reality when what I want is to continue to live in and face and, 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 and define fantasy. If you make me say what an actual woman is, I have to actually accept reality. And I won't accept reality. I want to live in this fantasy world, so I'm not going to answer your question. Woman. I'm going to say what she said. I don't feel comfortable. How about that? So number five says, um, same thing she says, I don't feel comfortable. Sure you do. You know what a woman is. You are a woman. And your brother can chop off whatever he wants on his body, and he can wear as bright a a shade of red lipstick as he chooses, and he's never going to be you. He's never going to be a woman like you are, but you don't want to say it. Why? Because that would force you to face reality. It would force you to acknowledge reality, and it would force you to exit the realm of fantasy. They don't want to do it. So, so far, out of six respondents, one said a woman is anything that she wants to, or anybody who wants to identify as one, like the brother, for example. One said, I don't know, I'm really confused now. One said, I know what you're trying to get me to say, but I'm not going to say it because I love my trans friends. (laughs) The other one says, I'm not comfortable having this conversation at all because you don't want to seem to want to understand anything. The next one says, yeah, me too. I'm not comfortable having this conversation at all, which brings us to number six, the sixth and final respondent to this question on the whatever podcast. And you better sit down for this one. I just feel like that's like... Not, I don't know. I think there's a better question that you could be asked that could be asked in this situation. We all respect the trans community enough mm-hmm. in like invalidating that, like telling they believe that they are a woman or they're a man, transgender, whatever. And invalidating that is not that's not our position, it's not our place to say what they can and can't be. Allie. That wasn't the one I wanted you to sit down for. That was the follow-up of the woman who said, I don't have, uh, uh, I don't, I, I'm like the other one, I don't want to say anything here. But then she did say some things. And she said that, you know, uh, we don't want to invalidate our trans friends. We can't answer the question with truthfulness, with honesty, because it will make our trans friends feel bad. So we're going to continue to answer in fantasy. But we'll get to the one here now that uh, you need to sit down for. Hey, what is a woman? A woman is an adult human female. It's the same thing, like a man is an adult human male. XX chromosomes, that means you're a woman. There are people that are born intersex. They're an incredible minority. And, you know, men are humans who have XY chromosomes. We We were one for six from the panel. But the best part was the last one who actually told the truth, the only one who told the truth. You should see the video portion of this. I'm sorry we're on radio and not television at this moment, because you should see the faces of the other five. The scowls, the daggers, the stares, the eye rolls, the shrugging of the shoulders, the oh my gosh, what did she just say? What did she just say? What she said was the truth. She actually said something based in reality and not fantasy. Minority. And, you know, men are... Hold on, we missed part of that. Allie, what, what is a woman? 
Well, a woman is an adult human female. It's the same thing, like a man is an adult human male. XX chromosomes, that means you're a woman. There are people that are born intersex. They're an incredible minority. And, you know, men are humans who have XY chromosomes. How about that? A tiny little bit of grain of truth in a complete room full of fantasy. We'll leave it there and we'll take a time out. We'll come right back. Always right. Radio AM 1420, The Answer. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by Keeping Medicare Simple and The Floor King. 1136, Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. I want to hear it again. Well, a woman is an adult human female. It's the same thing, like a man is an adult human male. XX chromosomes, that means you're a woman. There are people that are born intersex. They're an incredible minority. And, you know, men are humans who have XY chromosomes. There you go. How about that? Very simple. Somebody actually said it out loud. Uh, and again, you should have seen the faces. You should have seen the eyes of the uh, of the other women on that panel. So uh, let's get a couple of calls here in response. We'll go to uh, Joanne in Twinsburg. Joanne, are you a woman or are you allowed to be anymore? <laughs> it's bizarre. You know, this was going to be my second point, but I'll make it my first. This is what MTG talks about a divorce. How long are we supposed to coexist with these crazy people i mean i get what she's saying i don't know how you do it or anything like that but i mean i understand where she's coming from the other thing i wanted you know the other thing i wanted to mention is tammy bruce on fox news Mm -hmm. she used to be really big in national organization for women all through the 70s the gloria steinem all that Mm -hmm. she is so conservative on fox news i believe she's also gay She she talks about the erasure of women all the time you know, because she's like, what happened? I spent my whole life fighting for women, and now they don't exist? You know, she's amazing. And, you, you know, the, the reality is, uh, I, you know, I depart just a slight bit from what Peter Kirshenow said when I asked him this question, is I do think it is more on women. You know, I mean, what, what, do, what do so many feminists yeah, say? the only one out there that's really, you know. No, really that's my point. That, that that's my point. A, there, there needs to be more women like her. her willing to say this. Yeah. This is this is exactly more. And you're one of you're here talking because well, if men try to say, you know, you know, uh, uh, women are being disappeared and women are not being allowed to exist anymore, we're taking this, that, and the other, whatever. It's almost considered condescending and a gift from the patriarchy to try to give women their little scraps. But women, it's kind of like men aren't allowed to have a say in abortion until you have a uterus. You don't get an opinion. Well, okay, yeah. then you stand up for yourself, women, and and say we are exactly. going to fight back against. <laughs> the erasure of our of our our sex uh by people with psychological delusions who are being given all of the you know all of the uh, benefits and the merit of being a woman when they're actually not it's time well, for just women like to stand panel up. you know just like panel number member number six yeah right you and, gotta and, be able to say what you believe yeah well and well it's it, no it it, but it's not even what you believe it you got to be able to it's say the truth it it's what yeah. it is Yeah, it's not just what she believes. She's the only one who's willing to state the facts. The other ones all knew. All six of those women on that panel knew the truth. It's just that only one of them had the guts to say it, because the other one said, if we tell the truth here and say, well, I'm a woman and become a woman because of everything that panelist number six said, then then our trans friends are going to be mad at us, or we're going to catch flack on social media. We're going to be called bigots and phobes and blah, blah, blah. So they're terrified of speaking truth, and that is what is as dangerous as anything in this country. And my philosophy is, is why can't you just call people by their names? I'm sick of this. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I, mean, I, I understand your point I'm on retired that. I'm but... and stuff, and I don't deal with the public that much anymore. 
Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying on that, Joanne. But I, about it either. yeah, I, I don't want to. You know, I, I get your point. I do, but I don't want to be re- have to resort to just calling people by their names because we're not going to use accepted standard pronouns, which have been part of the English language since the English language was was created. For crying out loud, I'm not going to sacrifice the ability to refer to somebody by a pronoun, which is, of course, you know, uh, 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 sex based in 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 terms of uh, uh, identification. You know, males, females, and and plurals, uh, plurals and uh, singulars. I'm not going to resort to saying Kim said that Kim went to Kim's house. I'm going to say Kim went to she, she went to her house. I'm going to say she and her because I ought to be able to say she and her to simplify the language. And I'm not going to change that or let them force me to stop using the proper language by using people's names every time. So. Yeah. You know, that, that's the thing. Backwards. We can't, yeah, we can't sacrifice what has been established and tried and true and is traditional and is not, uh, offensive in any way, shape, or form just to satisfy this predatory crowd that is trying to change Well, the and I'm tired of having to celebrate this nonsense. That's what you they would, want. It's, well, that's it's, it. it's, you know, it's just not acceptance. They want you to celebrate it. A hundred percent. That's a word that I use all the time, too. And thank you, Joanne, for the call. The, the, um, the goalie for the San Jose Sharks is a hero. You may or may not have been following this. Peter Kirsten, I'll reference the San Jose Sharks. This is a very extremely woke NHL, National Hockey League franchise, that actually um, uh, put out some sort of a statement saying there are more than two genders and cited some ancient Aztec or Indian culture from centuries ago and saying they recognized a third sex or a third gender where you don't have to be, you know, one or the other, or you can be both or you can be neither, or any other the crap that they're inventing right now. And they're saying this is evidence of that, right? And I think Tucker last night actually exploded that and said, by the way, this is also a culture that you want to take your cultural cues from that sacrificed children to their gods. <laughs> so is that really who we're going to be listening to here about what's real and what's not real? But anyway, the San Jose Sharks is doing that nonsense. Their goalie was one who was brave enough, courageous enough to say, I'm not wearing a pride shirt to go out there for warm-ups. We had this conversation about another team that went through this. Um and and did not decided not to wear the pride shirts, the rainbow shirts out out there for their warm ups, and they of course were were ridiculed and heckled and so on. Well, in this case, it was just one guy, one goalie, who said, "I'm not doing it. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to be coerced into doing something that I don't believe in." And whether it's biblical in terms of your uh, your your reason for not wanting to do it, it doesn't have to be. Whether it's because of your religious beliefs or whether it's just because I don't believe in that, I have to celebrate something that isn't a part of me. Either way, that he's a hero. That goalie stood up, and if you look online, he was being like, you don't support freedom. If you supported freedom, you'd wear the shirt. Why aren't you wearing the shirt? It's like, why aren't you wearing the ribbon on Seinfeld? You know, if you actually believed in it, you'd do it. You don't believe in anything. No, I believe in freedom, and they can be free to be as gay as they want to be or be as trans as they want to be or whatever, but you can't make me say I'm cool, and I celebrate it. I don't have to insult it. I don't have to offend it. I don't have to respond to it in any way. I can just ignore it because you be you and I'll be me. Don't make me celebrate you any more than I should make you be able to make you wear a shirt celebrating something that I believe in. How come nobody requires atheists to wear shirts with with Christian crosses on them? Why is that? But yet non-LGBTQ members are being forced to wear uh, shirts that show that they are LGBTQ members or supporters. It makes no sense whatsoever. None. And those who stand up against it, in my estimation, are heroes. 
Joe is in uh, Westlake. Joe, sorry about the delay. You're on the air. Go ahead. Good morning, Bob. Fantastic point about the LGBTQ agenda being forced on others. We need a flag showing support for real biological women and real. Have a couple quick points. Number one, in my opinion, Fauci must have known the shot was not safe and effective in 2021 when he made that video you, you played earlier. Yeah, the door to doors. Yes, because the CDC's own V-Safe data from 2021 by that time had already shown that. And Naomi Wolf did an interview about that on the Steve Bannon show. Finally, uh, you know, why are they attacking women? Because this is what totalitarians do. It's exactly what happened in the book 1984. They want to attack people at their core self-identity, which is sex and gender. They want to wipe that out so they can. You're, you're get right, rid of my family. friend. Joe, I've got to go because I'm up against the end of the show, but that's a great point to end the conversation on tomorrow, uh, uh, today. We'll see everybody tomorrow. Bye bye. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.